0: chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world.
1: It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O.
2: Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, Every day is adventure.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Enson's podcast. Sam Eldridge here with Blaine. Today we have a guest on named Nathan Clarkson, who reached out to us after listening to the uh, episode we did on creativity because it's a world that he inhabits. He lives in New York and writes, directs, and acts in film and also has a book coming out. So was hitting sort of the spectrum of creativity and we want to have him in to have this conversation about the creative soul and the modern time and some of like in the weeds type questions while also focusing on how do you, how do you do these things and how do you do them well?
0: Yeah. Fascinating, uh, conversation. We fought the rabbit trails of, not going down too much underrated films and actors and why and not going too much into the reason that epics have 12 act structures but we did a little but uh when it comes to living a life with an artistic soul which if you're a person you have an artistic soul there is uh just a like wealth of one-liners in here illustrated in a really intriguing story so know you'll enjoy this one and uh, without further ado, here's Nathan Clarkson. Every time you see the Black Panther in a suit, it's actually Nathan. Yeah. Little known fact about yeah. his acting thank Yeah, thank <laughs> you.
2: Funnily enough, actually, my first like real role I ever had, uh, what they call principal role, which means to get the big boy pay, was on a, a movie called The Purge. And I played um, one of the bad guys and i was in a mask the whole time and so like i'd been leading up for a couple years just being an extra in tons and tons of tv shows and movies just a blur in the background and so when i finally got this i auditioned for the director and he's like you're in i'm like oh amazing he's like here's your wardrobe and i'm like oh, i'm what i'm wearing a mask <laughs> the entire movie because yeah and so I, you know i could go home to my friends we're like no you weren't you weren't in that this but. is
1: like mike wazowski from the monsters movies <laughs> yeah. you like have the stamp over your face Which yeah
2: mask you. It was, it was an old 80s model in his uniform, all of the bad guys trying to get into the, into the house. There, I think there was eight of us, seven or eight of us. We all wore the same mask. So I just have to be like, I'm the one with the ax or I'm the one getting shot right now. But it does end on my dead body. So that is a claim to fame right there. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> my mom has still not seen it. So it's you know, I'm not In about some that. respects, all of our stories end with a shot on our dead body for a little while. That is absolutely true. So
0: deep.
1: Maybe a little... I'm sorry. A minute ago... (laughs) Very nihilistic.
0: Ever ever since you said this, I wanted to go back to it, but I waited until we turned the microphones on. You wrote a book.
2: I did. And you didn't want to write it. I did. Did not (laughs) want to... Yeah, I did not want to write it. Correct. Yes to your no. I didn't... Yes.
0: (laughs) What did you write, and why did you want to not write it?
2: Oh, man. Well... It's funny. I, I look back at why I began, and I was in the midst of um, being a little disillusioned uh, with some some people I wanted to believe um, were good people to emulate and follow, and just ended up finding things out and. Um, it made me kind of question myself and was I more interested in looking like something or is I more interested in being something? And you know, for my entire life, I've always loved, uh, the Psalms and I, you know, you look at David and he was a man after God's own heart. And so I always wanted to be a good man. I always wanted to have the moniker of good man over me. And I kind of just assumed I was cause I was from the right family. I was a Christian and, um, but I, it kind of caused me as some of these um, heroes fell to look at myself and say, am I a good man? What And what is a good man? Kind of define it further because I hadn't really, because um, I think a, a lot of it nowadays we're such an image-driven culture um, that I think a lot of our time is spent in looking like something as opposed to being something. And I can feel myself in that draw, in that temptation. And so I started writing down in my little studio apartment um, right in the middle of Hollywood, what do I think good men are? What are aspects of that good men possess and uh the reason i was scared to write it or didn't really want to is because i i wanted to be i still do the cool artistic filmmaker guy who doesn't talk about you know all the kind of the boring christian stuff like men's books and stuff like that and stuff that we talk about all the time totally yeah absolutely but it's not just call us boring no, I I, uh, I don't disagree maybe a little with bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it's as sexy
1: as the rest of that title. I
2: think. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. I want to be, you know, cool. I want to be um, an alternative, and because I'd grown up in this culture and I'd seen it all, I was maybe a little just used to it, and I'd read a lot of men books, and and I, I didn't want to do that, and and I think the other aspect of that, which I think is deeper, more. Um, a, a really effective to me was I didn't necessarily know if I was a good man because and so for me to write a book with the title Good Man as the title I'm essentially setting myself up as I know what a good man is and what they should be you should look at me and so it was a really scary so no process pressure. yeah exactly um, but if you look through the Bible and as, if you, as you guys have you see that a lot of the heroes were really um broken, uh, fractured, imperfect men. So I, I wanted to find what's the difference, who does God honor, who does God not? What is a good man? Because David messed up all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, in huge ways. And I think what I end up landing on is a good man is a man with a desire. Not necessarily all the actions, all the, the looks, and you guys might totally disagree, but I think it's something in your heart that keeps on trying, that keeps on getting up, that keeps on moving towards a design that was created for us by a creator with an intention.
1: Ah, super good, um, David. An awesome person to try and emulate and to hold out there as, like, as you said, named a man after God's own heart, who also committed murder and stole a man's wife, <laughs> and did like if you just were to check like the major boxes of things, we'd be like, well, that should preclude you from being a good man. Then surely he ticked those boxes and was worth redeeming. I would also throw in there: this is not a great uh, time culturally mm. to be throwing yourself into the world of defending masculinity yeah. if you want a, a convenient and quiet quieter life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, and I live, uh, I live in two worlds, one in the writing world, one in the acting and filmmaking world. And, um, I'm always kind of balancing my head. Will one affect the other negatively. And so I'm, I'm interested to see if it does or not. Cause in the world of acting and filmmaking you have to be somewhat um ambiguous in any really firm beliefs unless they line up with a lot of what uh, the consensus is in the city and in the culture
1: something we said before before we started recording was uh you've named being afraid of saying the wrong phrase mm. or sentence that it just ends it all yeah which i think is kind of unique to this time mm. um i don't know how much our Parents or grandparents' generation worried about that. Like, I think you could live a life that would become exposed and ruin it for you. I don't know if you could deliver the wrong sentiment in an instant, the wrong fortune
2: cookie, Mm.
1: pithy thing, and just be done. Yeah. That you can these days.
2: For good. And it can be something from years ago, too. It doesn't even matter now. So, both of those arenas are very public and
1: very strong arenas for that to go down.
2: Yeah, there's a whole culture of we're canceling this person or this thing. And that's interesting because it's antithetical to the message, I guess, of Jesus, which is one of redemption, of restoration. And it seems like nowadays you can be done. You can be over, at least publicly, which is a scary thing.
0: So driven by a desire to become something or to grow into an image. I'm curious in the course of writing this book, what were the other what were what were other epiphany moments for you mm. in what a good man is, or how someone becomes one and yeah. in that arena?
2: Well, I've been for the past couple of years really looking to this interesting uh, philosopher, priest, um, guy named Father Gisani. Um, Luigi G- Gisani is Italian um, kind of intellect. And, and he, his whole thing is around desire. And, um, and how even C.S. Lewis, he said, it's not that we desire too much. It's that we don't desire enough. And that kind of changed the way I saw how morality and goodness looks. I think a lot of, um, the morality, perhaps we've been taught in, in the old fashioned religion ways is, uh, want this, don't want this. And that's a really interesting thing as opposed to seeing every desire as God given, um, humans just end up stopping short, um, of what the ultimate desire is. And so I even see like some of the most negative aspects of men today and how they act and what they do, whether it's, uh, abusive or violent or prideful, whatever it is, all those desires, um, aren't necessarily wrong, but they're not going deep enough to the heart issue of what they're actually desiring. Um, I think a lot of times when men are promiscuous, they're looking for validation and love and, um, and whatever, when men are prideful, they're looking for accomplishment to do something, to fight, to uh, build and create. And so a lot of these things that we see as negative and just stop that, I think, are just aspects of men not going for, for far enough in their desire and in their search. So that was one mm-hmm. thing that kept on popping up to me. Okay.
1: Okay. I almost need to, like, pause and ask, like, the the question that, predates all of this, which is, you said you just turned 30 recently. Did, yeah. Um, so you've had some time now, not a ton of time, but some good miles in the world of career direction, creativity. Um, take us there, take us to why mm. you wanted to spend your time in the world of the creative. Mm. I mean. You're ticking a lot of boxes here. If you told me you painted on the side, we'd be like, okay, good. You've got all of the major
2: bases covered. <laughs> I see. You're doing
1: film. <laughs> you
2: act. You're writing. Um, why? You know, it's funny. Since I was a kid, I've loved stories. Um, I've noticed that. I mean, I can as far back as I can. Remember, stories were the things that kind of ignited my heart and my mind that checked me into the world. I I had a lot of, um, I was diagnosed early with a lot of mental illness and learning disabilities. Um, and so education was an interesting process for me growing up. But what I did find that I was able to focus on and really grasp a hold of was stories. And, uh, whether it was in a book or pretending outside or running around or envisioning yourself for the first time I saw Lord of the Rings or whatever it was, um, I connected with stories and it wasn't just on a, um, I like to know the little bits and pieces. It was, I saw myself in the stories and I found that stories were the most effective way for me. Um, the most effective thing that would change me, inspire me, teach me, reveal truth to me. And so as I grew older and my love for stories grew, I began to notice that God, our creator, he seemed to like stories a lot too, and that he was a quote-unquote creative. He, he is an artist. He designs. He intends. And everything he does design has an intent. Um, and so every story he tells has an intention and a, a purpose, but he uses stories in men's and people's lives To reveal his truth whether it's all of scripture or just in jesus's parables he uses stories so i always had a passion for changing the world in some way or another i didn't really know what that looked like or was but when i got to be around you know adult time I i was looking at i was looking down the uh the barrel of um the life that i think a lot of america says you should live and it's a good life it's not a bad life um but it wasn't for me And then I I decided I wanted to keep on playing pretend. I wanted to keep on telling stories, but particularly stories that inspired change, um, uh, opened eyes like the ones that I grew up with and the ones that I saw Jesus tell in the way that he did. And uh, that sets me up to be like, oh, is this guy good at storytelling? I don't know, probably not that great, but I am trying uh, because it's something I love. And uh, that's kind of the reason I love creativity and stories and all that together is because I feel like there's something in the human soul that is meant to respond and connect with those. Well, we
1: obviously relate and overlap there um, in terms of the ways that Blaine and I certainly understand Absolutely. where we are, how we orient ourselves, things that are drawing us out. So, love hearing that is something that's kindred in you. Um, connect these two worlds now. Um, you have this love of story, you have these questions Blaine's been asking about, learning about masculinity. Mm. Um, I mentioned beforehand that uh, even earlier in this podcast, I found myself needing to be apologetic and not in the terms of apologetics, but like literally apologizing Mm. for having an opinion about something that might not be perfect and I don't know what perfect is this month and I'm going to mess it up. And so you here, I'm imagining you, you said adult time, that was your (laughs) phrase. so. I'm assuming that's 18. Very eloquent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going like whenever you start adulting, um, that there's this younger Nathan kind of strutting out of the house going like, I'm moving to yeah. Hollywood and is there a tension of what you think are good stories and what you think can be said? Hmm. Things that you need to just carry as a good man, certain like things that are just... Strength and integrity versus things you have to speak out loud or work into a script yeah. or have be more overt—is um, that a tension you've wrestled with, or has that not been uh, the biggest tension as
2: you've walked in these worlds? No, it's it is one of the biggest tensions. So you you definitely put your finger on it, and. Uh, in full disclosure and honesty, I don't think I've always been a good man. I've always had the desire to want to be, and I'm not even entirely sure that I am now, like even. Well, you you would be the first or the <laughs> second actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in writing this book, I'll do something and it'll be, you know, something I struggled with 10 years ago and I'll go back to my book and be like, I don't think I should be writing this. And you have all these doubts, but yeah, that is a tension, and knowing and having been given this vision for, what life in the world and excellence and goodness is, and I have been given that. Um, you carry with you the responsibility of reflecting that in the things you do, and the choices you make, and the projects you work on. And for you know, the the start of my career was very much at the behest of whoever I whoever hired me um, into a into a role. Um, and luckily enough, it's just a line here, a line there. Um, but it was interesting battling myself when there would come down the pike a a role in a film that I knew didn't reflect what I believed about the world. Uh, I knew didn't reflect what I believed to be true or healthy or good. Say a bunch of people murdering each other. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't <laughs> have said that. Yeah, totally. Random. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's something to dig in there, all right? <laughs> mm, uh, <clears throat> deep truth. Uh-huh. No, no. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I shamelessly do like a good horror movie every now and again. But yeah, but even even like that, I, I hate violence. I think violence isn't something that, um, Goodman um, should run to or revel in, um, and and it's interesting when you are faced, it, you kind of have to uh, do this little battle with yourself and have this conversation with yourself. Is is this something that I want to be? And, and you're right, you said it earlier. It's it's forever. That's the thing about art. It's somewhat immortal. And when you make yourself a part of something, it's a part of you forever. And so there is that battle. And this is one I definitely have not. One, like, please don't go to my IMDb. You're going to be like, really? This guy's a uh, Christian, huh? But it is something I do strive for, and it's something now as I'm older, um, it's it's important, more important perhaps than it was as a young, cocky man looking to make his mark in the world. It's more important now that my life reflect truth and goodness that I um, believe, as opposed to just getting recognition or success.
0: Wow can we dial back to a whole, which was acting? You talked about a love story and mm. creative life and writing. And now we're talking about acting in movies. Yeah. How did you get into acting? Why did it appeal to you?
2: Oh man, I think one, I just love playing pretend and I didn't want to stop. And acting was a one way as an adult, you can do it. Um, without people looking at you funny, and two, uh, man, I just wanted to be involved in the great stories. Um, I was watching, I mean, saving private Ryan, I know it's so cliche. I just caught on TV the other day and I was like, wow, what a movie to have been involved with to tell this story. That's so much bigger than yourself to be involved in a narrative that's bigger than who you are. Um, and so that was incredibly, Alluring to me to be involved in stories that were bigger than myself. I mean, you know, Lord of the Rings. The first time I watched the behind the scenes a million times because I was like, what would it have been like to be a part of this story that is so
1: big? Most people think that movie is like two hours long. It's actually more like six if you start just watching all the stuff on those DVDs, which we did as well. We just had that running in the background of the house all the
2: time. Oh yeah. Oh no. it, It was yeah. Just something about being involved in those just appealed to me, and and I. I used to think it was like, a, oh, it's just me, but I think there is something, not everyone wants to be an actor, but I do think there is something in all of us that wants to be part of an epic story to some degree, of a good story, whatever that looks like. And it's gonna look different for all of us, but I think that's why we like movies because we envision ourselves as the characters and we can see ourselves in a story of some kind where we um, succeed, do something great, make a mark on the world, our, our life and existence matter. Yes, yes,
1: yes. So going to give you a minute here without you needing to talk for the whole thing straight. When I think of acting, um, it seems like one of those careers, this is getting kind of like down more into the weeds a little bit that, um, maybe hasn't changed a whole lot Mm -hmm. in the last 50 (laughs) mirror, the last 50 years of American, uh, occupation yeah. and uh, there's plenty of anecdotes that get thrown out there in the business world of like starting the mail room and work your way up. And it's kind of like the, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the path that works anymore these days in every arena. But I think when people think of acting and particularly Hollywood, um, certainly that what I think of is a little bit of what was thrown out there for la la land mm. of like, you're probably waiting tables And it is the hustle, and you're aware that you are typecast but also meant to be unique. And there's this like willingness to be a part of anything so Mm. you can begin building a resume. And once you have enough of a resume, then there's going to be some bigger breakthrough, some like next domino that falls. Um, I'm assuming. That was the case 50 years ago because that was sort of the story that Hollywood was telling about itself. That hmm. sure seems like the story that's still unfolding. Have friends out in L.A. where that seems to be the case. Um, you've been in that world for a little while. I wonder if, however many years in, 10, 5, I'm not totally sure where. You, how many years in you are. Uh, about 12
2: now. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, really take us into the weeds in there. And what are some things that you... Learned about yourself and mm. about those early years of the grind and what are some things that you would either do differently or encourage younger Nathan yeah. to to see that maybe weren't so obvious at the time?
2: Yeah, actually, I love talking to younger actors now. Um, not in like, oh, I can tell you how to do things, but more in like, please avoid the mistakes I did or do the things that actually helped me uh, and not waste time on the other things. But um, one, I think for I think probably any artistic uh, outlet, make sure there's something you actually wanna do. Almost, if you can not do it, then don't. And for me, it was something there was nothing else. Stories, especially film and writing, there was nothing else for me, Um, so I had to do it. But what that looks like logistically, uh, in the weeds, as you say, is it looks like uh, me moving to um, North North Hollywood, which is in the valley, very hot, into a poor neighborhood living with five guys in a three bedroom house for about three or four years. It looks like me um, working as an extra two or three times a week, uh, walking in the background and being feet away from your dream, being you know, inches away from your dream but still at the same time a thousand miles. I'm doing that for years. And then it looks like one day when you've been on uh, a thousand sets as a blur, the director who worked with you before knows you, you go, oh, your name's Nathan, right? Hey, Nathan, I need you to say this real quick. Boom, you get your first line. And it looks like incremental teeny little steps up this ladder, but they're teeny little steps you're willing to take because it's the design and um, desire of your heart and kind of what you were made to do. And that's what I figured out mm-hmm. early on. This is something I was made to do. Um, Eric Little has a quote, which I'm sure you guys know from a great movie. Mm -hmm. And it says Mm -hmm. he he feels, uh, help me with it. He feels God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's God's pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. And when I act, when I write, I feel God's pleasure in a way I don't, when I do other things. Not that they aren't good, but I was made for this. So I'm willing to do anything, take the walk in the background for three years to do this.
1: One foot and a thousand miles would be a great title for Mm -hmm. something on... on that topic just in case you want to put that in your pocket because you heard things it here that first. you've said <laughs> <laughs> might so steal your words
0: bringing in stephen pressfield now and fighting the resistance mm. and overcoming the opposition in art in writing i know a little bit about what that looks like the kinds of habits that eventually overcome like a little bit the in
1: that you've been getting it out a of, different
2: context
1: for seven plus years.
2: But I'm curious what about... Do wait, what do you write? What
0: I'm are what you writing? writing?
2: What are you writing? Because it's seven plus years of writing.
0: Well, I haven't been working on the current project for seven plus years. Here's the thing. One of these days, you'll turn on the Unsense podcast and I won't be here anymore because I will have moved into the mountains into a hermitage and only be writing novels. That
2: is my constant so. dream. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty universal creative Goodbye, stream. I've yeah. looked <laughs> online like, to Woods of Breckenridge like 50 miles out just like I've looked at houses. Not kidding. You didn't know that Nathan actually just drove down here from the mountains. I actually did, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we like sent a guy with a burro up <laughs> yeah. and then like, it was a long he journey. had to wait for the snows to melt and he brought a message back down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh... I'm writing, so right now it's a novel. I've got, you That's know, half of, more than half now. I crossed the halfway point and I <gasps> congratulated myself. Genre? Um, A little bit magical realist-ish. Mm. Um, and, oh my gosh. But, I mean, I've written so many short stories I don't even mm. quite know anymore, kind of building into this... Uh, I love writing, like, these epic cycles, like, everything. My Our roots, if we were to go into them, like, we had the myths down pat from hmm. an early age, and it, for me, really kept going into... We, re- we recorded an episode for our dedicated followers here that I get a lot of crap for from people that know me, because it was supposed to be about strategy, and I talked a lot, I think, about, like, Xenophon, and people were like... <laughs> I didn't expect to get so much of the history of Greece in that episode, <laughs> and I was like, "You're welcome." I'm sorry. Yeah. Is this your version You're of a thank you note? Mark. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but truly, like our our past, we got this book years and years and years and years ago twenty plus years ago now that was um, the, like the myth of Star Wars, and it was somebody mm. breaking down a New Hope and why it was connecting with people. And it was obvious to us. It's like, well, yeah, Merlin and Excalibur, and like there's the hero's tale. There's this arc, right. Um, and we've been able to pick up the pulse of that and be like, oh, this character really is a kind of a Promethean character. They, they, they've brought this thing back. And I think the average person's like, OK,
2: you. You had the blueprint. You're a little yeah, bit of a nut yeah. job. <laughs> like You, you need like, to slow down. Oh,
0: man. For me, it was fascinating, you know, movies you have your three-act structure, mm-hmm. you have your Aristotle, beginning, middle, end, you know, drama before that, you have a five-act structure, back up even further, and I get really interested when you get into like 12-act, like epic structures, and i like, this is incredible, this is this, these these set pieces that you have to move through, but in a way that's still like entertaining to an audience hmm. that's, that's extremely interested. <laughs> Don't look at me, Sam. It There's makes this us a tough audience.
1: You guys see this. No, no, it's super good. Uh,
0: <laughs> it makes us
1: a tough crowd to watch a movie with
2: sometimes for an entirely different reason yes. than other people
1: because we're there we are wondering at the threads that are <laughs> weaving together and so and sometimes you just want to enjoy the
2: movie I have to get. I've gotten better at my old age. I used to, you know, being a young film guy I was like, well, in I your, know. In your old age, yeah, I, I feel wanna, old. Yeah. Mm, well, you know, you technically yes. never know when you're going to die. So this could be my final day, for all we know. Wow. And this could be the oldest day i will ever reached. Wow. Read. Thank Mento you for mori that. <laughs> send, send <to> the <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Oh man. Here's your fortune cookie for the day, folks.
0: Anyway, what why I was asking earlier? <laughs> for, I'm going to turn off microphone, Sam, because people want to know more about 12x structures. Um, I love 12x structures. You know what's interesting about paradise lost um <laughs> it the right but writing is, what I was saying, is overcoming the resistance the only things that have like the, it's just the the super basic habits and we talked about this in another podcast but the only things that actually work for me are the most basic rules of i don't have to write during my writing time i'm just not allowed to do anything else like <laughs> i have a very i have a shed and i just stare at a Blank a he wall. shed. Nice. Uh, yeah, that it just goes. I don't have to write now, but if I get so bored that writing is actually more interesting than staring.
1: That was inspired by uh, a Tim Ferriss interview with Neil Gaiman. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: Um, good old Neil. And then, you know, anything else that Stephen Pressfield says to do with writing, I'm like, yeah, that's how you do it. You. Yeah.
1: Referring to the War of Art, this little Show chat up. book.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah. You Never read it. Know it. Really good.
0: Never read it? Okay, I let me haven't. give you the concept really quick so that you can understand the question I was going to ask you. Oh, thank goodness. He frames, he goes, if you are an artist, you will run into the resistance, mm. which he views as, you know, he's like, <laughs> kind of one of the, who Sam and I are dubbing the new magicians, or the event where he's spiritually open but not anchored. Mm. Makes him kind of, a, it makes him a loose cannon. But you go, you're aware that there is, in a darkness that is opposed to what you were put on the earth to bring. Mm -hmm. And that unless you understand that you'll just be beat down by how hard it is Mm. to do any, to like to achieve any creative act,
1: which as an aside, I think is really interesting that like the secular world is very open to that idea and very familiar with it, that there would be anything beautiful, anything Mm -hmm. worth creating and offering is going to, be met with this force, this thing, this, and, and Pressfield calls it resistance, mm-hmm. a capital R that wants to stop it. And so, you don't have to be a Christian to, to have this to know concept. that it's there. Absolutely. But the Christian world would go, uh, well, yeah. "That's the enemy." Yeah. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> that that actually it has a motive. Whereas the secular world would say, "No, it's it random. doesn't. It just doesn't like like good things are hard
2: to create." Yeah yeah it's You're fighting against entropy or something like that. yeah, exactly.
0: and he but if you understand that and you go, this is war baby. Hmm. and the difficulty that i'm I'm not facing is not principally internal, and that allows you to sort of set yourself with internal resolve onto the habits that over time. Hmm. And so you know we we talk Sam and I have talked at some length about the kinds of habits, the kinds of actions that provide for the incremental buildup of eventual artistic achievement and achievement not meaning here like ribbons like finishing a, sh- a story like yeah. oh my gosh is writing like this that? morning writing Can this morning is an achievement isn't yeah, absolutely writing okay. every day this week is like that, that's 10 marathons go out to yeah. drink like um yeah
1: throw the party you have accomplished something massive
2: yeah, that's something I think we as artists need to do is celebrate even the small little things. So I think there's a lot of self-doubt and anger at what we haven't done as artists. And I think that'll just feed the cycle of not doing anything because of the despair that comes with that. Oh, there's a, there's a rabbit hole we could just <laughs> jump down. Yes.
0: But talk to me about various art forms. You can keep talking about running, but I'm especially curious about acting and filmmaking. Yeah. What does beating the resistance... Look like over time. Like, what are the kinds of war of attrition habits that you Mm. do, knowing that 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 is the thing that will eventually land you in the
2: industry.
1: Yeah. It's a phenomenal question. And I'm purely laughing that it took us 10 minutes <laughs> of banter because of all that's wrapped up in that question.
2: <laughs> but it's a good question. It is. And I enjoyed the journey cause it's not the destination guys. Um, he says with his little Fu Manchu blowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's a good question. Um, I'd say the resistance for me, uh, particularly in acting cause I think there are different, different demons for every pursuit. Um, they're unique to the pursuit and to the person. But mine, particularly for acting, is, um, and this is gonna sound a little Buddhist, guys, I'm still a Christian, but it's letting go of my ego and my person when I inhabit a role. Because there's something, when a camera is pointed at you, you wanna perform. And the best actors aren't performing, they're just being human. And, and I'm sometimes I'll watch these compilations of the best acting scenes of all time on YouTube. Um, And what I notice in all these great scenes is that the actor's no longer there. Um, Their person is their body is, but they um, aren't aware of you or the camera. They're living realistically under imaginary circumstances, which is what Sanford Meisner, one of the great acting teachers, says. And so for me, I remember I was on a a movie, uh, a miniseries a while ago, and I got a substantial part in it, and I had... um, It it was uh, one of the bigger... Things as with a bigger actor who I'd seen a lot of stuff, and so I was very in my head about I want to impress, I want to, you know, I want to perform, I want to look like the actor, look like everything. And the director, who's an amazing director, comes over to me. He he says, "You know, um, you're doing good, and that's fine. Um, There's a lot of good actors who can imitate what they've seen other people do. They can imitate what it looks like to cry, to be mad, to be happy." Um, But he said the reason I hired you initially is because it didn't seem like you were imitating you were genuinely living into the lines and the story you were given to live into honestly. And so the, and just having that enabled me to get back into this story that I was asked to inhabit and live out honestly. And I was able to leave Nathan at the door for a little bit. Um, but I think that one, I think a lot of it is ego and not trying to look good or look like something or or even be good. Just living honestly inside the story you were given to. Yeah, wait, acting. wait. I
1: feel like that's really brutal criticism to actually get. <laughs> yeah. Because back to even the, the good man comment and conversation, that is the mm. great temptation. Yeah. It's like, if you grit it out, if you imitate enough, you will actually be checking the box. Whereas this director was calling you to be like, that. Eh, You can grit it out as much as you want, but Mm. what you had initially was a willingness to enter into the thing Mm. that you have let go of in pursuit of maybe an idea that you think you're supposed to be. Mm. I think if somebody told me that, I would would need a couple days to recover. (laughs) And I imagine he'd probably give you
2: five minutes before you had to do the scene again. That was pretty much exactly what he gave me. I'm going to leave you here, you know, and I'm going to go back in. need you there five minutes. And that's what, yeah. Woof! <laughs> That's my I expression just expression of choice.
0: <laughs> it's possible this won't be interesting to us, but I am curious. What did you do in those five minutes, or what are the things that you do to hmm. understand a foreign experience unto actually entering it?
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think the way my personality and mind is built is I want to understand things, I'm analytical, I want to dissect and look at all these different things. And I think what I've noticed a lot of times um, is I can overthink things in a way that makes them less real. I have a friend who constantly, when we're talking about theology or philosophy or something, he goes, yeah, but that's abstract. It doesn't have real effect on the human day-to-day spaces we live and exist in. And so I think For me, sometimes it's not trying to understand it harder, not trying to uh, know more, not trying to, if I can just think about this the right way, then I can do this. It's kind of a release of control. And the way, the practical ways I do that a lot are listening to music, are, um, I'm not a runner, but going for a run, getting your body physically um, active so your mind can uh, more malleably exists where it needs to, as opposed to creating the structure of thought that you're trying to make things happen. Especially when you're trying to fall into a character, you kind of have to release all these things you know and react emotionally, which can be really scary. Back to the men thing, Um, I I do think men have trouble, at least a lot I know, with emotions. So being an actor and being asked to release your mind and your control of those emotions can be a really scary thing. But ultimately, if you can do that on camera, That'll be the thing that affects and touches and connects with people, makes a story real.
1: Okay. So something this is making me think of, um, as you're naming, being able to let go of you and let go of your ego and enter into a a role and, and not bring Nathan with you. Mm -hmm. Um, there are some actors and actresses that come to mind Although I've been in some panels where they just sort of all want to be called actors these days.
2: Yeah. It goes back and forth. I'm always very careful. Yeah, this is, speaking of things you can say. Acting incorrect. professionals.
1: Right. right. Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. There are act some variety. acting professionals who come to mind who you watch interviews of and they are non-people. Hmm. They are blank canvases hmm. who when they take on a role are phenomenal and you're like, yeah. you are this person, but when they are not in a role, they are Count
0: down from three and say, who' we thinking
1: of probably we shouldn't do that. No, we definitely
2: shouldn't do that. Um, I'm picking it up. I, I see the the faces, the looks, the expressions. I yeah. know exactly what you mean.
1: So this is, <laughs> this is a, a I'm going to like just dunk everybody down like a deeper rabbit hole here. Um, I was watching a video on some things about a film that came out recently, where they did really great CGI of a mm. character who's no longer alive, but they wanted them in the film, and they did a phenomenal job of recreating this person's face, and yet the person analyzing the film was bringing up the this thing called the Uncanny Valley. Yes, which you're familiar with, and, and for people that aren't, I'm a video game guy too, so it's, I know that one. I'll give you the brief idea. There's this arc towards realism. Mm-hmm and as you begin in one end things are very clearly not real and our our brains don't see them that way and as we move more and more towards the real we begin to experience them as that as, as more and more accurate as more and more probable but you hit this point where they are almost real but not that that this arc actually drops thus the valley And our brains freak out a little bit. (laughs) And things that we drop in that valley are things like zombies, where you are a person in your body, but you are not a person in your being. And it freaks us out on a deep level. When I was a kid, we would play tag in the front yard with our dad. And he would shift from chasing us to this like shamble-type walk to try and slowly chase his five and six-year-old kids. And it freaked me out because it was yeah, like, you are, you are an unman, like you, you are human, <laughs> but you are
0: walking weird. Yeah. Can we talk about your fear of monkey people at this point? I <laughs> we, maybe we totally
1: can. I, I, I would uh, love to dive into We is just, you
0: know, full on rabbit trail. Um, <laughs> Sam's terrified of
1: monkey people. Monkey people have this weird thing in me. It's like, if you watch princess Mononoke, there are the ape creatures and they freak me out more than anything else because it's like, it's. People, but not so close, but so far, and they want to like eat other beings and consume them. So, a little zombie like Syrian Empire, right? Very actually, even like American Indian, of like I'm gonna consume things of my enemy and have mm. their ability. Um, and it, it freaks us out on a primal level. So, that's mm. why he was saying that CGI can only go so far because our brains are gonna know it's not real, and so even if you could get it so close and it will freak us out more than if you had not gotten it that close. Mm. I think that is something that we were freaking out about watching some of these actor interviews mm. of going you, you're an unman when you are not in a role. When you are not in being someone else taking up this other story you come out of that you are this blank canvas of a person walking around and it actually freaks me out. It like, mm. makes me like your roles less as phenomenal as you are in your roles because outside of them you have no substance and yeah. it made me have this like uh, reaction yeah. to seeing it. And I, so I totally agree with, and am intrigued by your assessment of like, you need to let go of the ego, which I would say applies to a lot of areas of our lives, sure. not just acting, but that tension of y- you are still Nathan mm. as much as you can let go of this need to be a phenomenal writer to look like yeah to write well or Mm. i need to be a phenomenal actor to act well um have you experienced that tension of like if i let go of too much Mm. i begin to not act or write well anymore i begin Mm. to just be words or actions
2: that's interesting um observation because i've felt that before but i never put it to words or even thoughts but i've seen some of these incredible actors and it's interesting there's kind of um two kind of stars in acting. There's the ones who play themselves over and over again because they're so good at being themselves, right? So I'm not going to name names. But no, let's
1: name a name. Uh, Brad Pitt. I was literally about to name Brad Pitt. He's always Brad Pitt. But I just watched Ad Astra, being, the trailer for that. And I'm like, you're the uh, same yeah. guy, and I but don't hate it. I can't Brad wait Pitt. to see yes. that movie. Yeah. Right. yeah.
2: And you want him to be Brad Pitt. I love it. And you're awesome. Like people...
1: <laughs> <laughs> or Tom Cruise. He's always doing the same exactly. run. And we don't dislike it.
2: No. I mean, you go to see that. Right. But then there's the actors who you want to see disappear, like you're saying, and they do, and they take on this whole other thing. But I think um, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, about it's not about desiring too much. Um, It's that we don't desire enough. I think part of it is... uh, I think part of being a good actor is being fully human, being entirely yourself as much as you possibly can. And I, I always tell young actors study psychology study um, body language look at people read stories watch uh, reality TV if you have to whatever it is look at people sit in cafes and just people watch because the further you uh, get the closer you get to humans and how we work and how we're designed the closer you're gonna be able to find that when you um, do that on on screen
1: okay that's interesting because I was gonna ask that question the other direction Uh, later on of um, has being a student of story and humanity Mm. allowed you to see humanity and stories in people's lives easier when you aren't on stage and aren't thinking of the next arc of of, of a screenplay you might be writing or a book you might be writing Um, but you kind of answered it the other way around that like either way you approach this it's necessary and you're going to be experiencing it is that true
2: yeah i you know i was thinking of this the other day and um and i think i realized if you ever want to own a room if you ever want to feel completely natural like you know somewhere some people up know what they desire because i think humans are creatures of desire so the more quickly you can understand what someone wants, the more quickly you can understand someone's humanity and how that might manifest differently, and what they go after, and how they reach for what they desire. Um, but understanding humans is understanding desire, because we all we were intrinsically created to want things. And so I think when that comes to roles, it's what does this character want? What do what do I, being this person, want? Whether it's to uh, rekindle a r- romance. Whatever it is, or connection, or, um, or power, or respect, it's looking deep in into humanity, knowing that we're creatures of desire. So whatever character I'm playing, has you have to figure out what does this person want? What do I want in this story? I don't know if that answers your question, but it's something on my mind, so I thought I'd say
1: it. It actually makes you think of the um, thing that you encountered a while ago. We may have talked about it before, but that um, uh, marketing Expert that identified if we can peg
0: pull on one of the seven deadly sins. That guy, yeah, yeah Ooh, fascinating. Do you know about this? No. Oh, this is uh, one of man. I'll have to find his name and say I'll put it in the show notes and then not because that's what I like to do. <laughs> uh, w- one of the great early copywriters hmm. uh, said that when you don't know what to do reach for one of the seven deadly sins and him simply going like his one of some of his, his, his advice implicitly the young marketers was know what they are and hmm. know that the know the kind of the human foibles that have stood the test of time and then like you can pull on some deep hmm. trigger it's uh sort of a nihilistic view of humans but it is i mean it, i'm a tag anecdote on here and I was having a conversation with another novelist one time on just, you know, it's just, and by conversation, I mean text conversation. I hope if you are a creative, you like have these people who you just shoot like, what do you do when you're stuck on? Or like, let's say hypothetically you were stuck on this kind of thing. Absolutely. What are your practices?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It was really interesting where he went, for me, it's always getting deeper into the character's Mm -hmm. desire. I need, I need to get into, um, even like beyond motive to like. Like, what is the thing that if they were to reorder the universe, like, how would they put it? And then what is that? And it was interesting because I do sort of the opposite thing where you, I'm going to go, that's, you are trying to understand that person unto like seeing in a positive sense what, what they want. And um, I always, I go, I am always driven by the flaw of can you, what, is this what is the particular blindness that this person is going is unwilling to let go of and is therefore going to just impose like and it's sort of i i always try to find how are they reading the world wrong and then and like really frame what do they not see and then how how can i like what would it look like for them to apply that in this conversation, or in this walk through this house, like what would that person do, and what would I need to say that they did to sort of depict? But it's it's almost driving at the same thing, but there are there's a, a very different view in what do you think a person is for? What do you think? Um, and then I find that if you get really stuck in writing, especially, because that's a discipline I'm familiar with. There, you do kind of have to revisit what do I think human beings are? What do I think they're ultimately for? What do I think we're fallen from exactly? And then it's doing that sort of deep worldview work and then surfacing again and going, okay, with that, push that into the background now. Don't try to explain that in this dialogue, but reorder that in my own mind and then reapproach, and it will influence the way I make this scene.
1: Which I actually think is. An important thing that we all do actually because if you're not aware that you have that y- you do you do have that sort of orientation you do have this expectation of what people are for and what the goal is and hmm. it will be revealed in your writing if you're not aware of it so it might be interesting to go back and look and see if you get to write a short story of something that happened this weekend your deeper beliefs will be poking out and if you do not have them something we're also really passionate about here is other narratives will provide that for you. Absolutely, Other people are super willing, whether that's the company trying to sell you shoes or cheese or gas or a great movie you might love. You may be unaware of the fact that some of your favorite movies like Lord of the Rings are behind the scenes telling you what they think people are for and what they think people can be. And if you don't have that for yourself or sort of in alignment or firmly established, someone else is going to hand that to you. And that can be really dangerous.
2: Absolutely. Well, it kind of goes back to this whole thing that humans are intrinsically story, uh, aligned or connected that we were designed intrinsically to connect to narrative. And I think ad companies exploit that, uh, you know, uh, guys exploit that when going after girls, whatever it is, but we are still, designed to respond and see ourselves inside of a narrative. Um, so, yeah, I think it goes back to humans being story people, whether we like it or not. Every last one of us, whether you're a creative, whether you're an accountant or a or a painter, we are story people. And it's how we're made. We could land there, but I don't want to. Okay. So, I mean, we could end, but I'm just... Uh,
0: what's up, Todd? Our audio engineer. <laughs> what's up, Todd? When we, because... Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise came up. This is maybe on the lighter end of the question spectrum. Yes. But I just sort of am curious. I love asking writers who are who are we won't do the overrated here, but I always ask like who are the most overrated <laughs> and underrated novelists or writers? And like and kind of a why and go, it's great exercise. But on the underrated side who do you consider, or like, most underrated actors or films? What's mm. sort of on your short list of Oh
2: man, overlooked art? You know, one um, movie particularly sticks out to me and that came out in the past, I don't know, five or ten years. That was about seven years ago, I think. Um, but it's called Calvary. Um and it's a little indie film that takes place in Ireland off the, off the coast, and it's a priest, and you follow him around, played by uh, Mad-Eye Moody. Um, can't remember his
1: name. Brittany Gleeson. You realize that's yes. another character name. But... <laughs> yes, I do. Okay, <laughs> That's how I kind of think of people. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, and, it, and it just does this thing that I don't, I don't often see in Christian art, um, but it explores the depths of humanity while still offering the, offering the heights of hope, in a way that I see very few things on the, I, hate to, I hesitate even to even use this term, the Christian art or the secular art spectrum um, reach and somehow it offers me both and it's just absolutely beautiful. But his performance is, dare I say, perfect. Um, but no, it's a, and I feel like I never hear about anyone having seen this. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Okay.
0: Oh, thank God. Oh my gosh. Uh, no, if you hate it, No please. idea. <laughs> I don't hate it. You know what? Uh, that actually, there's a friend who's like a philosopher academic not a professional philosopher there's probably no such thing but <laughs> who comes out of the ph- the philosophy field who will send what he considers to be important film recommendations it's basically our nice. only communication but he's like you saw Room right yes okay you need to watch that like uh, or he was like Calvary OMG just watch how it's filmed it's so yep. unreal um, like super beautiful um, oh, another
2: show sorry Patriot or The Patriot. Have you guys seen this? Nope. Yes.
0: The Patriot as
2: in John Lakeman a it show. It takes place in Luxembourg and Paris and it has a lot of actors you know in it but no one has seen this and it's one of the most perfect shows I've ever seen.
0: Wow, a show?
2: Yeah, it's a show but it looks like sure a movie. Are you sure
0: we're not talking about William Wallace in America?
2: We're not talking about William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that scene with the Tom the Hawk not bad. is pretty intense. <laughs> Not a bad movie, though. <laughs> oh, man.
0: I love that. Good. Two easy recommendations for people. Go see Calvary. It does the same thing that I think Marilyn Robinson's book, Gilead, does, where it mm-hmm. is. It's extremely rare to have a piece of art made like that talks about faith in a way that is honest without being sort of like the culture of exposition like the Mm -hmm. goal is not to expose that faith is a farce but it does explore like the challenges unto hope not the challenges unto nihilism in a way that you're like wow i can't believe this thing got made yeah you're really actually sort of gesturing towards like the way that god calls to a person Mm -hmm. across distance and yet that per, that book won the Pulitzer Prize, and I was like, "Was everybody drunk that day?" <laughs> and they just said, "This one gets a pass." All right,
2: <laughs> Just give it to him. That's funny. That I like that the challenges unto hope, and the juxtaposition of the challenges unto nihilism. That's, I haven't thought about it like that. That's great.
1: I, I do want a landing style question. So okay. you have, forgive me for phrasing it this way. No, and you may have already delivered what you would consider to be the answer, and if you have revisit it um you are speaking to a young man who is 18 just left mm. high school is ready to begin what he believes to be a good use of his time whether that's creating art of some form or working in a mail room um what would you have him or younger version of yourself mm. hold on to in order to maintain that trajectory if you believe it to be
2: something he should be doing. Yeah, that's that's something I mull over daily. And I don't know if I have a really concrete answer because it's a question I ask myself still at my old age of 30 years old. But um, I think there's a few things and I'll end on my favorite. So I'll start with um, one, I don't think the world um, tells us the truth when it says follow our dreams. I think we should follow our skills and make our skills our dreams. Um, Meaning you were created for something particular, I believe, and you will find fulfillment in chasing that particular thing. I think, too, do consult your desires and how those might look acted out in the world in a realistic way that you can have um, real agency into the world with the desires and see them come true in a positive, healthy way. Um, constructive way, and three. I think the thing that has always pulled me back in all my prodigal times was the fact that I was created, and created things are intended to do things and are artistic. And so, just the mere fact of realizing that I am a creation means I am intended. Uh, Uh, I have intent my life has purpose and so it's exploring that not a pressure field do this make enough money way but what am I put here to do what am I put here in the world um, to live out and ultimately that will again like connecting it to we are story people humans that will enable us to find the story we were literally created to tell